0: Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Bible Study. We come to you from uh, the Rick and Bubba studios. uh, If you're not familiar with the day job, uh, I'm co-host of the Rick and Bubba Show. Find those details at rickandbubba.com. But when when, you gather, when we gather here, uh, it's uh, it's more of the other role, and that is director of themanchurch.com, which is a men's discipleship strategy. We are a hub for all things men's ministry. Uh, we provide resources that are designed for men. Uh, men and women are equal, but uh, they are not the same, no matter what this fallen creation tells you. They are beautifully distinct, and uh, you cannot disciple men by talking to men like we are women. Women or children, uh, so we have designed uh, a strategy that is designed for men, and uh, you can get those uh, resources by going to themanchurch dot or you can find out about our strategy. Do you have a strategy to reach and disciple the men of your church and your community? If not, we can certainly help. And uh, and so go to themanchurch.com. One of the things we do uh, involves high challenge. That's that's events and gatherings for men. Uh, we have speakers and teachers that go out. I'll be headed to Huntsville, Alabama, this weekend for the Gridiron Men's Conference. Anybody in here going to the Gridiron Men's Conference? There's some. Uh, by the way, Rye has an extra ticket if somebody wants to go. Have you already got rid of it or you got it? I got it. I think. Okay, never mind. Rye no longer has a ticket. Uh, But anyway, so, or he still has it, but he doesn't want anybody in here to go with him. Uh, But anyway, so, so, uh, right, thanks for that. So Great Iron Men's Conference, what is that? That's this weekend. That is, that's your typical conference, and they do a great job. They're one of the best out there. Uh, I've spoke there many years, and I'm honored to be back with Mike Pence, Robert Jeffress, uh, David Jeremiah, Mike Whitson, Phil Waldrop, and, of course, Charles Billingsley, We'll be leading worship. So all of you men that are going there from all over the country, I'll see you there this weekend. TheManchurch.com will be in the lobby. If you want to come get some of our individual resources for individual men, we'll be there. And if you want to inquire about our 40-week curricula, uh, we have four of those. Uh, four curriculum are available, and you can come see us, and we'll talk to you about that and how you can plug those in uh, or anything you want to know about TheManchurch.com. We'll be there this weekend. Uh, some other things going on, if you want to see some of our men out speaking, On this Sunday morning, uh, Father's Day, a men's uh, breakfast, sometimes we do breakfasts, sometimes we do wild game feasts, sometimes we just do services or conferences, Uh, you can come and hear Brian Gunn coming to my home church in Birmingham, Alabama, Uh, that's at Valleydale Church, it'll be 7.45 this Sunday morning when the food starts to flow. Brian will be speaking to us, and uh, then we'll get you an opportunity to plug in to one of our small groups. We are doing one of the curriculum uh, from themanchurch.com. On the 19th, uh, I'll be down in Prattville, Alabama. Uh, They just started one of our curriculum. Uh, It's called Spirit Walk Ministries, uh, and I'll be there in Prattville, Alabama, if you want to join us. Uh, Also, uh, Lake Mississippi, coming up on June the 25th. Uh, they're about to start the the, the strategy, the high challenge, uh, along with the high equipping with our curriculum. Uh, I'll be there for the high challenge on June 25th, First Baptist Church in Lake Mississippi. That same day, over in Columbus, Mississippi, same evening, their next man church. They've been doing our strategy for a couple of years now. First Baptist Church, Columbus, Mississippi. New to the Rick and I me, mean, Rick and Bubba, The 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 man church team is Tony Cooper. Uh, he is now retired and has incredible. Uh, testimony and messages and he uh, he will be there talking to the men uh, in Columbus, Mississippi You can find all that at the manchurch.com Now some of you when you when you look at this Bible study and you follow up with questions and you say things like Let me, I want to know about your theology and you know, your denomination and all this kind of stuff I think I finally come up with a description uh, that should take away all the complaints or mean comments here on the YouTube channel. Uh, I am a reformed, hyper-Calvinist Arminian who speaks in tongues, who understands what baptism is about. Uh, I, I believe in once saved, always saved, but you can also fall from grace. And I finally converted to Catholicism, so I'm the real deal. So there you go. Got it all done. Uh, so, uh, so let's say uh, if you have your Bible, let's go to Revelation chapter thirteen, and we will continue. And the other, another question I get a lot: which which uh, interpretation in English do you teach out of? I, I normally teach out of the English Standard Version. So There you go. Uh, so, go to the Revelation uh, chapter thirteen. We we got to verse uh, we got through verse ten uh, last week, and and we'll start in verse uh, eleven. Today, let's open in prayer. Lord Jesus, be with us and guide us through your holy word. May we discern correctly all that you are showing us and all that you are teaching us, uh, not just about future events, but how they apply to current events. In your name we pray, amen. So uh, we, well, last week we talked about John has now seen, in, in chapter 13, he has seen the rise of the Antichrist or what he calls the first beast, because he's about to see a second beast. So the Antichrist, we we laid that out last week. If you need archives, just go to themanchurch.com, click on media, and it'll drop down and ask you if you want to watch or listen to the archives, and you you pick which one of those you want to do. You can go back through everything we've covered up to this point or, or other Bible studies from the past. Well, now John is going to tell us in the rest of 13 that he now sees a second beast. And again... Uh, there, there's so many um, uh, things to talk about. When he's talking about these beasts, he means a a person. Uh, we we showed you last week the proof that he's talking about a person. He's not talking about ideology. He's not talking about uh, a time frame. He's not talking about uh, you know a group, a government. He's talking about a person. Same thing's going to happen in the second beast today. The, the, this beast is just symbolic because of the what really is at the heart of these two people you know, is are beast-like characteristics. Now, you're going to find the one we talk about this week has a little different approach than the Antichrist, and that's going to be the final false prophet. Um, the, the, The major weapon, and this is important, remember, we're looking to the future, but we're also making sure we understand how it applies to today. And you need to know this today if you don't already know it, and I pray you do. The major weapon that Satan has in his arsenal, and he's been using it since his being cast out of heaven the first time. Okay, his, his weapon is deception. He loves deception, and he uses deception and has used it over and over again. In the Gospel of John, we now have the revelation that John sees, but in the Gospel of John, not the epistles of John, the Gospel of John we see in chapter 8, Verse 44, he says that Satan is the father of lies. As a matter of fact, one of the things that convicted me about my sin of lying is when I realized that when I lie, I am speaking the Satan language. That's his language. So those of us who lie, we are speaking. People say, what language do you speak? Well, I actually speak Satan. Uh, I'm, I'm very fluent in Satan. Uh, lying is is speaking like Satan speaks. That, that's his language. Uh, so uh, John talks about that. Second Corinthians 11:14, Paul's talking to the church at Corinth and he doesn't like what he sees. you know we did we did a whole study on 1 Corinthians. maybe we go pick up second at some point. Uh, but he's talking to the church and what is he taking on? I see the devil. I see him within amongst the church and what does he say? He's disguising himself as an angel of light. That's deception. You're going to see that with the final false prophet a lot of deception, he is constantly seeking to confuse people. And where do we find confusion? In chaos. Chaos and confusion are the same thing. So when you look outside, you go, the world looks like it's chaos out there. Well, yeah, of course it does. Uh, Because if you have not been redeemed, you're still living in a place of complete confusion, and he's owned you. He, He runs you. And so, and he loves confusion and chaos. And the Bible, I'm talking about from the beginning to where we are right now, we are warned over and over and over watch out for false prophets, watch out for false teachers. And Moses warned, Jeremiah warned, Jeremiah lamented about this. On and on. Jesus warned us. When he's wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount and he gets into what we call chapter seven, but it's the end of the Sermon on the Mount, what does he say? Beware of false prophets, meaning they're a given. Do you warn people about things that aren't going to happen? I don't. You know, I, I mean, we warn people about what's going to happen, right? You're going to face this. Uh, and Peter, of course, when we studied Second Peter, he warns of false teachers and false prophets. If you want to see him talking about that, Second Peter, right out of the gate, chapter two, verse one. We don't get very far into that epistle. And why is that? Remember, First Peter says, "Let me get you ready for persecution from outside the church." Second Peter, remember, we studied this. If you haven't haven't studied this, the archives are there. Second Peter is, "Be careful for persecution from within the church." Now watch out for false teachers. Now watch out for false prophets. Satan attacks two ways, outside the church and inside the church. Adrian Rogers said it very, very clear. He's all, always referenced here with a certain amount of reverence, not worship, but reverence, because uh, he was a flawed man, but he was a powerful, powerful preacher-teacher, and he said, when you are looking for the devil, never fail to check the pulpit. And that is so true everywhere. Jesus, uh, John warned us also in 1 John 4 1, um, uh, you know, because what happens in 1 John? Now John has to come back to a church that what? The Gnostics have come in, false teachers. And John has to go back and say, let me correct this theology. I, you know what I love in John's epistle? I love it. When, when they're starting to listen to the Gnostics, and one of the things the Gnostics were trying to do is what? Discredit John. John said, I touched him, I was with him. I heard it firsthand, and you're going to listen to them? And what does he say? Be careful of false teachers. They're teaching you false theology. So, uh, scripture records so many examples. I mean, I'm talking about individual people that are false prophets, uh, false prophets, and, and false teachers. They have plagued God's people since the beginning of human history. And, and just as all the false Christ, people claiming to be the Christ, all of those culminate in the Antichrist. And here's our transition into our scriptures today. Are you ready? This next dude, all the false prophets and all the false teachers will culminate in him. Antichrist is all the false Christ, all culminated in one person. This, this false prophet it's all the false prophets and teachers that have come before him. They will look like a warm-up act compared to him. Okay? So keep that in mind. The false prophet will form a satanic false trinity because, remember, it's always a, it's always Satan's version of what God did. Uh, he'll be the counterfeit of the Holy Spirit. The false prophet will be Antichrist partner in Satan's massive final deception of the world. Antichrist will be as we said last week, primarily a political and military ruler. But he is going to claim to be God, as we as we touched on last week. So if you're going to claim to be God, what do you need? Somebody who's not political, someone who's not military, someone who's spiritual, who what? Legitimizes you. And it's got to be somebody that everybody seems to trust. Can you think of any figures in your mind that claim already to be the mouthpiece of God directly, that have really lots of power and lots of money? I can think of one, and I'll just leave it at that. But anyway, so so when you start looking at this, when when he claims to be deity, this false prophet is going to convince the unbelievers that they sh- that, that that he should be worshipped, and he also will convince them that he, the Antichrist, is deity, and he is the only hope for salvation. The only way we can turn all this around that's been going on. Remember, it's been hell on earth for these people. They're looking for some way out. They're looking for somebody that's going to solve all these problems. They'll be desperate, which is what Satan loves, for us to be desperate for anything that could just make us happy, anything that can stop the suffering, anything that can solve our problems. We're willing to sell our soul for it. And so that's what's going to happen. John sees the false prophet, and write these down. We'll walk through them one by one. And he sees three key elements. Number one, his person. Who is this person? That's element number one. If you want to write that down, that's going to be mainly in verse 11. Let's look at verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. Make a note, it says earth this time. Where did the first beast come from? The sea. This comes from the earth. It had two horns. Make a note of that. Like a lamb. Make a note of that. And it spoke. Like a dragon. Again, this is not ideology. This is not a government. The Greek word here uh, that he uses when he says, I saw another beast, the word there is, is alos, allos, A L L O S, that is always used in Greek to mean I see another of the same kind. So this isn't like, well, the one beast was a person, but this one may not be. It's just like the other one. So it's a person. It's not, it's not ideology. It's not a government. So this is a person. Now, there is some contrast, though, between the first beast. It came from the sea. Remember what we said about the sea? I mean, this was an image to God's people. They always saw the sea as something to be dreaded, something dark, something something evil. Uh, the earth, to to the people of that time, certainly had its problems, but it was less mysterious. It was less foreboding. Than the sea. So make a note of that. Antichrist, military, political, he comes with an iron fist. False prophet, he comes in a little, he comes in a little bit, you know, let's don't know the room. Don't, don't don't go in there and scare everybody. You come in like, you know, you're calm, you're gentle, you're, you know, let me let me calm everybody down. I'm not another military political leader. Calm, calm, calm. I'm not here to rule and take over. I'm going to tell you all the things you want to hear. Your ears are going to love me. Oh, you're going to love to hear me talk. And I'm going to talk about everything's going to be all right, and I feel good about this guy. And and uh, and so, um, but, but just like the beast number one, the false prophet will also likely be under the possession from another one of those demons that was let out of the abyss. Uh, and um, he will be much more subtle, much more gentle, less overpowering than the Antichrist. But let me tell you something. He may be winsome, and he may be persuasive, and he will be, but Jesus described him perfectly. He will be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And this man, when Jesus gave us that example, watch out for the wolves in sheep's clothing, watch out for the false prophets, watch watch out for the false teachers, he will be the epitome of this example. He will fit it perfectly. He's going to seem wonderful. And he's going to seem gentle. Notice that John sees this because what do we see here? We just see two horns. Antichrist had ten horns. We see two horns. He's less ferocious, he's a lot less scary, he's a lot less deadly. He seems harmless as what? A lamb. That's what John says. He seems as harmless as a lamb. He seems okay. He's I don't think we have anything to fear in this guy. He just seems so wonderful. And he's so gentle and he and he's talking, you know, he's not shouting, he's not he doesn't have a bull horn out or anything like that. He doesn't seem like a conquering dictator and he's not. You know what he is? He's a subtle deceiver is what he is. Which is usually how Satan presents himself. This other stuff that you're seeing, you you find yourself going, but but they just seem like such nice people. Well, you know what they believe is heresy, but they just seem so nice. They're just such nice, kind people. They even seem somewhat moral. Their their kids are so well-behaved. But you know their theology blasphemes the deity of Christ, but they just seem so nice. Well, be careful if all you're looking for is someone who seems nice. But you don't have any way to vet out doctrine and theology, and you wouldn't know enough about it if they handed you their doctrine, whether it's false or not. I told you all about Sherry dealing with the Jehovah Witnesses at our house. She sat down. They always have a younger person with an older person. They're mentoring. They're discipling. And, and that, that, that young one thought that John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was a God. And Sherry said, you know, it doesn't say that. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. See how subtle that was? A God and was God, that's two completely different things, but they just seem so nice. But it's blasphemy, and it's from the pits of hell. And, it, and they'll nice you and deceive you right into hell. So we have to know what we're talking about. We must 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 know the word of God. We must know the genuine article so we can spot the counterfeit. If you don't know the genuine article, you don't have a chance. These people are really good at what they do. You're not this is not a homecoming game. This is a this is an opponent that without Jesus we can't defeat. But with Jesus, we certainly can. So anyway, so when, when you see this, and this is what you have to get in your mind, and it's difficult. One of the commentaries I read, I think it was MacArthur, he said, he'll seem so wonderful, but he is nothing less than a child of hell. And he is just as much a child of hell as the Antichrist. Just as much. Because what does John tell you? He looked like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. He will speak inspired not by God, but by Satan. He will be Satan's mouthpiece to legitimize Satan's Antichrist. During the chaos and unspeakable horrors of the tribulation, he will seem so desirable. He'll seem so comforting. Just worship the Antichrist will be what he'll tell you, and everything will be okay. This is our answer right here, guys. Well, you know, he's a, he's a really well-known religious leader, so he doesn't think he's the devil. And we've all trusted him. He, he's he's a part of the church. He might even be from the original church. Maybe this is the guy who's had it right all along. Maybe some of these other things we've chased were, or th- that that was all wrong. Look at him. We know this person. They don't seem like they don't know him. We This guy's legit. He says the Antichrist is God. He says that he's the solution. He says if we'll just worship him, everything's going to be all right. Now, how does that play to modern day? I hear it. Health, wealth, prosperity. God wants you to be your best you. Is that what he wants? I, saw, I read some stuff in here about suffering. Well, I was hoping you wouldn't read that. That kind of makes my message uh, problematic, but I'll just kind of smooth that over. That's for people who don't have enough faith. You mean like the Apostle Paul? So they don't want to hear that. They have no answer to Paul's suffering, by the way. They don't have any answer to Jesus' suffering, uh, Peter's suffering. They, they conveniently leave all that out. And if you don't know about all that, that when they say it, you go, that sounds great. Well, this is going to sound great. So he's the problems are over. Is this the guy? I mean, he is God incarnate. Look, listen to how he talks. Look how he's taken over the world. Look how he's brought peace to the Middle East me tell you something you better be careful if peace comes to the middle east you may be realizing that maybe you maybe pre-trib wasn't right uh but anyway so so go to the next thing so his person we've laid out the kind of person who'll be next his power now he's got power uh, verses 12 through 14 it exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence make a note of that so he has the same authority. As the Antichrist, and the things he's saying and doing, he's doing in the presence of Antichrist, and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. Hang on to that. So he's got all the authority of of Antichrist. He's got the same kind of demonic power. He's in the presence of the Antichrist, and he is here for one goal. And that is to convince everybody who's still here, the unbelievers, and the believers at the time, they just won't do it. Of course, they're going to pay a price for that, those who have converted during the tribulation. And what is one of the things that he's going to say? And just so y'all don't doubt me, remember he was mortally wounded and he rose from the dead. And, you know, if you didn't know, you'd go, well, that's a pretty good point. I mean... He did rise from the dead. Now, much debate. We talked about it last week. Most people believe because they don't think God, even though God allows the things that are going on, that God would not give resurrection power to the devil. He's given the, the devil has a lot of power, and we'll talk about this. So, this likely is a staged event with special effects of some kind. Which you know, you'll see things people do with special effects. That's not that. By the time we get to this, I mean we we could pull this off right now with special effects. People think they saw him get mortally wounded and they and they think he was dead and now he is pretending to have risen from the dead. But the bottom line is if you don't know any better, you're like, he rose from the dead, I saw it. You know, remember you can't always believe what you see anymore. You know, we got technology now. You could see me somewhere and think it's me, and somebody's just taking my face and put it on somebody else saying something else, and you can't even tell the difference. So this is not going to be a stretch to stage this. This won't be that difficult. Uh, But anyway, but why do you think that he would stage this ruse to give legitimacy to himself? Why would he pick that? I've raised from the dead. Who does that sound like? Jesus. Okay. So he's going to perform great signs. Okay. The, the false prophet, he will be throwing out things you will not believe. And they'll all be an attempt to mimic the miracles of Jesus. And they'll also mimic the two witnesses. So people look and go, well, this guy's doing all this too. He must, he must be with them. Maybe they're the, he, they're the real deal. And these other people were false because they can do it too. And let me give you this. Listen to me, everybody, especially young people in here and some of y'all, need to hear it too just because you're spiritually young and that's great we you know we all are hopefully growing watch out and do not obsess over signs and wonders hear me loud and clear there's a lot of there's a lot of people in gatherings and I'm not saying that they're all faults or anything like that it can get out of hand When you're one of these kind of people and you obsess over miracles, casting out demons, signs and wonders, the problem is Satan can do them too. We see this throughout Scripture, people that were not of God. Look, when Moses stands before Pharaoh, he's got to get deeper in his miracles before he can. I mean, the magicians and everything, they kept up with him for a while. They could do it too. And Satan, he can do all kinds of stuff. So you better be careful if you want to rest your entire belief system on a one and only living God. You want to take a little bit of that faith out and say, I want to see you do something. Well, sometimes it'll get done, but God didn't do it. And suddenly you're worshiping a counterfeit version of God because of your obsession with signs and wonders. You be real careful with signs and wonders. You better stand on the word of God. Now, do I, does that mean that we don't see any miracles that are of God? Of course it doesn't mean that. I've seen them. I've experienced them. But I've also prayed just as hard and didn't see anything. But let me tell you what Satan would love to do. Say, I'll come through for you. I'll give you something that will blow your mind. I'll show you something. And you're like, you know, the preaching doesn't sound right. And some of this music really sounds like God's worshiping us. But did you see all the signs and wonders? You hear those people speaking in tongues, and you see that demon get cast out? Did you see? I, I, somebody said they saw a hand come back from being cut off. Well, that don't mean it's of God. may not be. So the, so the doctrine and the theology is what you're listening for. That's what you're looking for it can't be signs and wonders. And you and this is going to this is ha, this is going on now, but it's going to go on big time in the future. So the deception of of wickedness that we're going to see at this point if, if 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 you're people watching this, it will be extremely extremely persuasive. It's going to be a great show. And Paul warns the Thessalonians about it in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9, and 10, listen to what he says. For those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved, those who reject the saving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ will eagerly accept the damning false gospel preached by the false prophet. It will seemingly be verified by what? Miraculous signs. And if you don't know Jesus, you're going to fall for it. He said, now those that know Jesus, they won't be fooled by this. But if you don't know Jesus, you're going to fall for this. I mean, they're going to get you. It's going to be be too much. It's going to be an incredible show. Be careful if you're one of these people that you you don't feel like that God's alive and well if some church is not meeting in a basketball gym and healing people. There's more to it than that, and Satan can do that. So be aware of that. Satan can do signs and wonders. You even go to the Gospel of John when Jesus was doing signs and wonders. What did he say? A lot of people are with him, and John notes, but he knew that some were with him for the signs and wonders only because he knew a man's heart. They were with him, but he was not with them because they were just going after signs and wonders. They were going for the show. They They weren't looking for what the show was revealing. They just wanted the show. They saw the signs and wonders and said, we're going to beat the Romans. This guy's incredible. He's in the transfer portal and we got him now. (laughs) They didn't say, there's Christ, there's Messiah, there's the Lamb of God. He's going to take away the sins of the world. They said, this is going to come in handy against the Romans. Give us some more. Let's see some more show. He got frustrated with them constantly asking for a sign. You remember that when we went through the Gospel of John? He got frustrated with that. And he even said he's not doing it for any other reason than to reveal who he is. Do you think Jesus could heal everybody? But he didn't. He didn't. I'm sure there were other times a lot of people were hungry. He didn't show up and give people food every time. You realize that you know if, if people can heal, if they really do, and I know that he still heals people, but if, if a person says everybody can be healed if they just have enough faith, why are we not going to every hospital every day and everybody who's got enough faith just walk out of there? Michael Catt just died. You think Michael Cat's a man of God? Why didn't God heal his cancer? Why, why did Harry Reader run into a, 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 a dump truck dead at the wheel? Could God not have stopped that? You think Harry Reader's not, not, not in heaven right now? He ain't not have faith? Tim Keller? How come Tim couldn't get healed? Cancer killed him. You think Tim Keller's not in heaven? I mean, you see how ridiculous this is? That's not what it's about. It's about what we do with our lives, not how long God gives us a life. I love what Elizabeth Elliott said about her husband who died young, what? preaching to lost people who killed him. And you know what she said? My husband never thought he would live a long time. He just wanted to live a life that was impactful, not a life that was long. And then she picked up and kept on going. She she said, I, I, I didn't think my husband was going to live long. He didn't think he would. And that was not his goal. It was to live well and to do what God told him to do. And you know what you said? So he did exactly what God told him to do, and one of these people who was trying to reach for Jesus ran a sword through him. A spear? Yeah. God couldn't stop the spear? Did Elit not have enough faith? I've read his writings. He was a powerful man of God. Do you think he walked in the presence of God and says, You know what? I gotta tell you I still wish I was back in, in I wish I was back where I was. And how dare you let this person run a spear through me? You think that was his his goal? You think he thought that? No. What about the Apostle Paul? Get my jacket to me before this winter, because I ain't gonna. Say, you don't get here for winter. I'm gonna be gone. And did he say, "Poor, poor, pitiful me"? Hmm. I've run the race. I fought the fight. I will receive the crown of righteousness, my Lord and Savior. And now Timothy, I've done this till they killed me. Now you do it till they kill you. Y'all want that? Is that the life y'all really want? Be honest. Is that the life? Because if you're coming here, if you're coming here hoping I can point you to health, wealth, and prosperity, you in the wrong place. I'm pointing you to a faith that's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your sin for sure. And that's the biggest problem a lot of us have. We don't even want it to cost us our sin. We want to keep our sin and Jesus. I know that's the way I was. I'm just telling you because that was my nature. so it's going to cost you and boy these people that have to reject the antichrist and the false prophet it's going to cost them too so what happens next well we're going to see him imitate the false witnesses look 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 what the false prophet's ready can, can do next look at look at 13 so 13 it talking about the final prophet the second beast the final false prophet it performs great signs, signs even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet live. You say everybody's hanging on to that? They love that miracle. It keeps being brought up again. But what's, what's the false prophet doing right now? Well, my goodness, he's just cranking out signs and wonders. Uh, and, and it says that he'll deceive everybody. Now this this term, those who dwell on the earth, throughout the revelation and throughout scripture, this is referred to, this is the phrase the Bible uses to refer to unbelievers, those who dwell on the earth. Those who dwell on the earth mean they, they have no they have no heaven, they're not heaven focused, they have no claim to heaven. They dwell on the earth, and he says, And those unbelievers, they're gonna be so deceived, they will be convinced that they need to make an image of the beast, he will have them make a statue of the Antichrist, and it will likely be placed on the temple grounds in Jerusalem, and instead of that place being a house of God, it will be a tribute to the Antichrist. They're so all in that when the false prophet says, that, 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 hey, let me hey I don't know about a statue. What do you mean you don't know about a statue? You're talking about the one that, that conquered death? Of course we'll build a statue to the one who conquered death. And then they go back and go, Oh, yeah, he did conquer death. We saw it. But see, if they knew scripture, they'd be like, This this is not right. This is not this isn't it. We're not we were that's the one thing God told us not to do. Never make a God. Never do that. Remember when Nebuchadnezzar made his statue, that's what this sounded like. What happened to the ones that wouldn't bow to it? That's where we're headed again. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Back to health, wealth, and prosperity. What did they say? We may die in the fire or may not, but we're not rejecting God. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Can you get to that place? Can I get to that place? I love when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they tell Nebuchadnezzar, who realizes he's been fooled, he loves these guys. He really doesn't want to kill them. Of course, then he eventually gets angry because they won't worship him, and then he's furious. But to begin with, he's trying to give them an out. So remember, if you heard the musicians playing, that's when you get ready to worship Nebuchadnezzar's image, okay? So he says to them, let them go get the, the, the musicians, and y'all think about it. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, oh, there's no need to bother the musicians. Don't even Let's not even waste time on that. We're not bound to the image. Do you have that attitude? Have you made the decision right now you're not bowing to the image? Is that something you're going to wait and see what happens? If you do wait and see, you're going to fail. Did Anybody here ever done the wait and see on sexual purity? How'd that go? You probably should have been resolved you weren't going to do it before you ever got in that situation. I know. I wish I had. The wait and see didn't go well. And if you're sitting around going, I think I won't reject him. I think I'm going to finish well. You probably won't. Have you decided to finish well? Is that a foregone conclusion that no matter what people do to you now, because you're saying, well, Rick, I ain't going to see the tribulation. You know, if, if your theology is right and you've picked the pre trib, that may be true. I, I tend to think it leans that way for the church because of some obvious things. However, don't start looking to that and forget you've got to stand for him right now in, in a world that wants you to reject him, is going to ask you to reject him. You don't think? Did you not hear the president of our country, the president of our country, during this Pride Month, the statement that he has said is that he needs to lead the way on saving the soul of America. Well, well, y'all know that what, what the Bible told you about husbands and wives and men and women, don't you? That's God's standard. Well, they've erected a statue. And if you don't bow to it, it may lose your business. I mean, we're, we're at a point now where California says if you don't let your kids be whatever gender they want, they'll put you in jail. Or they'll take their kids, your kids from you. Our government says right now these are our kids. They're not your kids. So you think it's going to be a while before we face this kind of stuff? It may not be in the tribulation. It's just now be. it may be in the working up to the tribulation because, you know, there's birth pains, and we're in them. Now, I don't know what the timeline is. I don't pretend to know. I know what I'm supposed to do today, and I'm supposed to be a disciple and make disciples. I know that, and I'm not supposed to profane God, and I'm not supposed to reject God, and I'm not supposed to lose faith in God. I'm not supposed to worship anything but him. I'm. That's all today. So I guess Jesus was right. Don't be caught up in what you've got to do tomorrow. You've got enough trouble today. There will be many martyrs, many, many martyrs. And because, you know, remember our timeline has changed a little bit here, okay? So we're now looking back, uh, and what we're, what we're seeing here is that um, the pressure to give in to the worship of the Antichrist will be far worse than anything ever experienced in human history. And there will be many, many martyred because they will not worship the image. And in a minute, if they don't take this mark, and those are the ones we see that we've already seen uh, who were represented as the martyrs when John was seeing the celebration that was going on in heaven Remember when he was told by the elder, these are the ones that were martyred in the tribulation because they would not worship the image. Well, this is when this is actually happening now, and it will be horrible. So now we got to get to to what the Antichrist wants to do next, and now he's going he's going to put together a program. Unlike other idols, uh, apparently this is going to have the the look that it can actually speak. Listen, listen to this. So it was, in 15, and it was allowed by God to give breath to the image. Talking about the false prophet is allowed by God to give breath to the image of the beast. You can go ahead and underline it was allowed because I want you, I want us to, to not be afraid of these phrases throughout Scripture when God allows things to happen, and he's allowing them to give us our best shot to repent. And, and if that means cranking up the suffering, he'll do it. So it it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Now, again, we think this is probably going to be special effects, but it wouldn't be any big deal to have a giant statue of Antichrist and make it look like it's speaking. Anybody ever been to Disney World? This won't be a big deal. Anybody ever seen special effects? This won't be a big deal. It will appear that it actually has a voice and it can speak, and then what you're going to find out is if, if you, it, 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 the, the word that you're seeing here when it says breath, the reason why we think it's a special effect, it's it's the word that we get pneumonia from, it's pneuma. Here, the breath is not zoe and it's not bios, which is usually translated to life, meaning if it used those words, it came to life. That's not the word he uses. He, he's using a breath that does not uh, uh, stand for life. It actually stands for sickness. Uh, or breathing problems. This image will give the appearance of being alive. Uh, And the false prophet now drops the shield of meekness and kindness and will now cause many to worship the image or what else? Or die. The pressure will be like nothing that has ever happened before. Many of the martyrs we know they die right here. And then the false prophet doubles down to enforce worship of the Antichrist by requiring all, all, not some, all, uh, of uh, all categories of unbelievers to bow down and worship the beast and to be given a sign or a mark that they belong to him. Look what happens next. And, and this is the part that we're probably pretty familiar with. But let's unpack what's really going on here. Also, talking again, This is the false prophet. It also causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. So he's going to say, It do not matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter if you're somewhere in between. It doesn't matter if you're important or you're not important. You're going to get the mark or you're going to die. You're going to worship this image. You're going to take the mark of it. Now, what is this mark about? Well, this is actually something that's not that uncommon throughout history of evil emperors. Um, the word mar- for mark here that's being used is actually what we would call an engraving, to engrave. Uh, it's a term for images or names. Uh, back when the emperors would rule, this is the same word that we'd, we'd use for their image on coins. And, you know, these tattoos or brands were commonly given to slaves, uh, soldiers, uh, any devotee uh, you know of a religious cult, um, or this was a way, like if I was in the, in the army for an emperor, they would probably tattoo me with his image. I belong to him. If I was his slave, they would tattoo me with his image because I belong to him. If I was in a religious cult, they would tattoo me with the, with the brand of the religious cult, which I will say this, and I know this is I'm not, I'm not going to be overly legal, legalistic about that. This is why there is a debate about tattooing yourself. Now, many say, and I don't have any problem with this, uh, that the wrong kind of tattooing is sin if you're tattooing yourself in general is this still in play in the new covenant i, I'll, I this is where we've been with our family and when our kids were made adults they did their own thing i'm not crazy about being part of something that god at one time hated uh and was associated with religious cults that, that that's that's not something i'm gonna get fired up about plus honestly i i'd say less is more i just don't i've never thought they look good uh, but I mean, but but I mean, I'm I'm not saying that you're in sin if you have got a tattoo. If the tattoo is something that you know glorifies God, or it's something for somebody that means a lot to you, that that I'm not being legalistic there. But I will tell you that tattooing and branding were associated with religious cults and empires, and that's where their origin comes from. So I want to make sure that God's on your heart. I couldn't care less whether He's on your skin or not. But, uh, you know, because I, I, just because he's on your skin doesn't mean he's on your heart. And uh, so be sure that if you are trying to do something that is associated with worship, that your heart is kind of like, you remember when Paul absolutely, ev- everybody went crazy uh, when, when Paul was talking um, uh, and made the comment that, um, that uh, these, these Jewish people no, it was Stephen. Stephen, when he told them that they had uncircumcised hearts, you remember that? Oh, that's where the stoning started. Because the but the the, that, the mark of circumcision meant so much to these Jewish people. And and you remember they obsessed over it. It became an argument in the church, and James had to come clear that up with the Jerusalem council and and all of this. And then Stephen says, I tell you what, y'all rejected Christ. Y'all know the history. He took, them through, he took them from Abraham. He took them through Moses. He did the entire history. And he said, I'll tell you what's wrong with y'all. You've got an uncircumcised heart. You may be circumcised physically, but you're not circumcised spiritually and they went crazy. So let's be sure we don't do a version of that. that we've marked ourselves on our bodies claiming that we're of God, but our hearts are not with him. So um, so this, this is what so this mark is going to be something that says you're with the beast. You're with the Antichrist. You have bowed to the image and you have gotten your mark, and of course, it goes on to tell us about the mark, doesn't it? It tells us that um, that they, they, you know, when God said, Remember, everything's mocking God. Remember when God sealed 144,000 to preserve them from the wrath against the unbelieving world? He said, I'm putting my mark on them. I'm putting my spirit on them. And that they will not uh, see the wrath. They will not be part of the unbelieving world because they've converted to me. It's 144,000 Jewish or Hebrew evangelists. The false prophet turns around and pretends to do the same thing. You want to be protected from the wrath of the Antichrist, then you take the mark. Because if you don't, you're going to face his wrath. Doesn't that sound familiar? You say everything's a mockery? So, um, and the Roman emperors always required a sacrifice to Caesar to prove their loyalty. And here he is going, You're going to prove that you're loyal to me by taking this mark. So those who refuse, pretty straightforward, they're killed. You don't take the mark, you die. If somehow, and I don't know how this would happen, but if somehow you don't take the mark, maybe you run and they don't catch you, and you're not killed immediately, you can't buy or sell anything. So you're going to be dead anyway because you can't eat. You can't You can't buy anything. And it, all, it sounds like a little something on our skin that made people be scanning. Bloop, 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 bloop. Uh so uh so anyway, uh you, you you cannot have any of the practical basic things for daily living. No one will be able to buy and sell anything without the mark. So what does that mean? The false prophet and the antichrist will rule the economy. They will be in charge of who gets what. Remember. our founding fathers told us any government that gets big enough to give you everything you want can take it away. Let the government provide for our needs. The more you give them, the more they got you and they've never been able to not abuse their power. Every power you give them, they always abuse it. So don't give them much. We can't quite learn that. Uh, but anyway, so, um, So the the mark gets described a little further. It will consist of either the number of of the beast or the number of his name. Um, Antichrist will have a universal designation, his name within a numbering system. Now, the exacts on this are very unclear. There's a lot of 666 taught. uh, In in all honesty, no one really knows the answer to this, but I can give you some pretty good theories. Um, John is telling us, look what he says here at the end. This this is incredible. He says so this mark will be on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So it's going to that mark's going to indicate that you're with antichrist. Now look at 18. This calls for wisdom. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of man, and his number is six, six, six. Interesting. Much speculation on who this is. It's probably not wise to speculate, but um, it's obvious that in the future, you know what John's saying, if you're here during the tribulation, you're going to need to know what this number means, and you're going to need to know what the number is. It's going to require you to know. It is noteworthy that that number does have sixes in it. Now, that is noteworthy. We, we, we can walk that out. Seven is the number of perfection. That is God's number. Since we fall short of perfection, biblically, fallen human beings are given the number six. That's the number of man, fallen man. It lacks perfection. Seven is perfect. Six is not. We know that we were created on the sixth day, human beings. Genesis 1. 26 through 31. I'm glad we studied Genesis, are y'all? Slaves were freed after six years. If you were an indentured slave and you still hadn't worked off your debt and you reached year six, Exodus 21-2, God told those who had indentured servants that they were to set them free even if they didn't have it paid off yet. You forgive what's left. You can't have them work for you longer than six years to pay back a debt. I think that's a cool thing to notice. The uh, The fields. What, when do we, how long do we sow fields if you look at Leviticus 25.3? Six consecutive years, and you rest on the seventh. So repeating the number, when, when, we, when we see Isaiah, he says, for me to adequately describe the holiness of God, I must say it three times. Holy, holy, holy. Nowhere else in Scripture is anything other than God called holy three times. Holy, holy, holy. So let me tell you one thing we can deduce from this. If six is the number of man, it is saying unholy, unholy, unholy. Man, man, man. I think we can say that. Those who choose to worship false gods and follow the teachings of false prophets have a horrible, horrible fate. Future in the Revelation, we'll talk about this in chapter 14, 19, and 20. And the ending that we see is sobering. It um, it, it the, the, These people are headed for massive destruction. So how does that apply to us? You may be saying... Rick, I hear all this, and it's, it's not good stuff. I got you, but I'm redeemed. That's great. Hallelujah. I hope so. I hope all of you out there, I hope you're redeemed. First of all, real easy. If you're not redeemed, my goodness, what else do we got to say? For you to, uh, to say, I might want to assess this. I don't, I don't want to face the wrath of God. Okay, then, then repent. Leave faith in yourself. Place your faith in, in God. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is now Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead on the third day. And if you're sincere in your repentance, turning away from your sin, and you're sincere and you want to be under the authority of Christ and leave your own authority, and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, he will. I don't know your sincerity. He does. That's the good news. He does. But what if you're somebody who said, well, I've already done all that. I don't even know what this message means to me. It's been interesting. I, I sure have enjoyed it, but um, i got to tell you, Rick, I'm going on to lunch because I know that ain't going to happen to me. It's true. It's not. You're redeemed. But do you care that it is going to happen to people who aren't redeemed? Do you care about that at all? Do you care about the people that you know that this is going to happen to them? Does that motivate you at all? Did this motivate you maybe to, is there anybody you can think, anybody, one person you can think of that you followed the commandment of Jesus and said not only have you redeemed me i will go out and do what you told me to do because you said those of us that love you obey you and you said that i was to be your disciple but i was also supposed to make disciples does it motivate you to do that why why do we why are we so passive about warning an unbelieving world you afraid somebody won't like you i tell you why I wouldn't like you if you knew it it didn't tell me and I went to hell I think I would not like you for that I think I could get over the fact that you were just trying to help me even if I rejected it and got offended by it I think sometime I could figure out that you meant it for good as long as you not, don't come across as sectimonious and self-righteous, if you come across as I just love you and I want to tell you the truth, I'm a sinner. You, I ain't, I'm not better than you. I'm just telling you I'm a beggar, but I can tell you where the food is. I can tell you where the bread of life is. I can tell you where the living water is because I found it and I needed it. You know what he says to us throughout Scripture? God Almighty. You live lives that are careful, watchful, godly, and holy. And I want you to evangelize the world. Why, God? Why do you want us to evangelize the world? I'm good. Why do you want us to evangelize the world? Why would you want us to do that? Because, children, they're headed for destruction. And you can't say you don't know that anymore. So if you don't do anything, you didn't do anything knowing what was at stake. So that's a different game, isn't it? I guess it does apply to all of us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the message. Thank you for not hiding this from us. It's very kind of you and gracious of you to say, here's why not only you need to be redeemed, but all need to be redeemed. Here's why. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Because I can't stop being holy, and I can take no part in sin. I have an adversary that tried to usurp my authority, which I crushed and removed, and I will defeat him. But my children must go tell them before he gets them because he knows he's doomed. And his desire is to take as many with him as he possibly can. So be bold in your faith. So stand up for truth. Not to condemn people, but to save people. Point them to me. Call them to repentance. And I'll save them. Thank you, Lord, for that message, and forgive us for our apathy and response. Maybe today, for the first time, or maybe the first time we meant it, we're devoted to be your disciples, but then do the next part, and that is to make disciples. And if we can't teach them all that you have commanded, we will learn it so we can properly command it. But until we know that, Until we can, maybe we're not ready to teach them everything you've taught. We're going to work on that. But let me tell you what each and every one of us, Lord, can do. And today, we draw a line and say we will do it. We can certainly tell them what you did for us. And if we can't, then maybe we don't know you. Lord, convict us, refine us, mold us into what only you can, transform us so we can tell others how you can transform them. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for being with us.